Sonic Flight Podcast. This is Past Master Moore calling with my review. I enjoyed, uh, you know, just talking this story about, um, but more importantly, I think, and let's see, they, uh, the, uh, and a lot of, lot of, uh, and, uh, and lastly, nobody gives Larry Maris a chicken pot pie, so just drop it. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Masonic Light Podcast, episode 119. 119. That's a lot. So our, we're recording this here sometime late May. We're back in the studio once again. We didn't break anything. Huzzah. We have a guest in studio for the... You're, George, you're going to be our first guest in the studio in... Over years. years. Yeah. Ta-da. Months. That's you're, very exciting. Your PC, post-COVID. So Post-COVID, yeah, yeah. There you go. So we'll be hearing from um, Brother George Reppert tonight. Uh, we'll talk about his extensive Masonic resume in a bit but most importantly he's a liquor rep so (laughs) that's why we love him so george this is where we go around a table and we find out what everybody's been up to um i'll start with larry so i can go last larry what have what have you been up to been up to goose and gridiron of course every thursday uh last night what the heck did i do oh tall cedars great dinner Good, good program, and actually it went rather smoothly. Shocking. It's amazing what a little practice will do. Yeah. It's because I wasn't there. George, what have you been up to uh, masonically post-COVID? Well, actually I started a new job. I have a new position now. Uh-oh. So that's been taking up a lot of my time, which is affecting my Masonic career. <laughs> but... Um, I recently joined my third lodge, Williamson Lodge, number 307. And uh, this is the first time I'm going to attempt the chairs, the <gasps> rotation. Awesome. Nice. So at the ripe old age of 72. It can be it done. It can be done. It, it should be, be done. Yes. Absolutely. Why are you looking at me, Tim? Because you need to get in a chair, Larry. And Larry the, can't even get out of a chair. That's true. And the good news is, depending on the uh, health of that line at Williamson Lodge, you could be master next year. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be car- snap. Be, be careful. They're listening. <laughs> John Harley. John Frederick Harley, yes. Uh, otherwise known as Jack. Um, Past Master Jack. Yes. Uh, what have you you been up to? I, well... Um, on a somewhat sad note, um, this past weekend we had a funeral for a brother, uh, Bill Tobias, 
Um, Bill was a wonderful guy. He he literally lit up a room when he walked into it, um, and he succumbed after a just a valiant struggle against COVID. Um, and um, he succumbed, and the funeral service was absolutely remarkable. There was uh, nearly a hundred people. Uh, the the grandmaster was there, and several officers from the grand line. And it was just really well done, and and super respect for him. I thought the officers did a really good job with the ritual. It was it was spot on, just absolutely flawless. Um, so there was that, and then uh, I participated in. Uh, third degree yesterday I got to stand immobile uh, on the square for 40 minutes well that's always a lovely thing and then I don't know just uh other than that I um the the big thing for me is that I I uh, took the plunge and I am going through the Masonic Scholar program um so I just started I've got my first book Uh, my my mentor is Yasser uh, so, is the first book Born in Blood? No. <laughs> it's it's on the list, but the no. Red, the red I actually uh, I actually picked Anderson's Constitutions. I have a, an old copy of Anderson's Constitutions that was a reprint of the Ben Franklin reprint of the original. Um, the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania put it out in 1906, so it's a really tactile kind of a book. It's very cool, um, and. Um, you know, I figured begin at the beginning. So it uh, should be a, a couple of years' worth of books and papers and that kind of stuff. So I'm excited about that. Do you have your signed excuse from our last episode? No, no I'm sorry. I was AWOL. Where was I? I was, you were at a lodge doing a thing. Where was I? You were at 43. Speaking. Oh, I was at 43, yeah. I, I'm, I was trying to tee you up there. Dude. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> the memory is gone. I'm Long-term loss of short-term memory. They promised me that in college. <laughs> But I, I did do a speaking thing at Lodge 43 in Lancaster. They, um, uh, Ed McGrath asked me to talk about mentoring. And I thought, I'm, I'm a fantastic mentor. I, I, I go there and I speak about mentoring. And I went and I realized that those guys are absolutely knocking it out of the park on mentoring. They have a, probably the best mentoring program I've come across uh, already in action at 43. And uh, my, my, my favorite line from the whole talk was in trying to motivate the members on the sidelines to get involved with the new candidates. There were six EAs on the sidelines for this meeting. And I I looked at the members and I said, you need to get involved with those people because those are the guys that are going to be standing at your funeral. And they all kind of laughed and then went, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, hopefully it was – I think it was pretty well received and – so that was uh, – and then next – we'll talk about next week, but uh, I have another engagement coming up at Red Lion Lodge. Oh. So that's my schedule. Yeah. Tell me. And Dr. Chris Rodkey can be there? I don't know. But if he is, I'll – I'll have to let him know you're coming. I'll out. just wait in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so since our last episode, um, the uh, Harrisburg Lodge of Perfection met along with the other Harrisburg uh, Scottish Rite bodies, and we uh, installed our new officers. 
Oh, no, fair. Tim has a whole calendar up in front of well, him on the computer. Well, that's because my phone's being used oh, as no, a uh, All right. I, so. I see how it is now. Okay. <laughs> we, I also attended the uh, District 3 Past Masters Club dinner where we had about 70 people, 70 past masters from District 3 wow. showed up. It's become an annual event dating back to when Gene Harrett was our district deputy. Um and then um, on the 22nd, this past Saturday, several of us were at the Valley of Harrisburg uh, where we had a reunion. And Larry was there yes, and was. Jack was there Ta-da. and Pete was there. He talked about that. Um, and uh, we did a reunion uh, where we uh, brought in some new folks. And then we had a chicken barbecue and uh, cigar smoker. Uh, we got to talk to the guy from Hireman Solomon. And we'll hear more about that in a bit. And got to just have a good fellowship with a lot of brothers there. So uh, good day. Good day. it was a really good day. So that's been about it. Worshipful Master Lamberton Lodge, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I think I mentioned last time that we had two first degrees and a third degree to do. Um, so we got through that, and everybody did a great job. Uh, I assisted Charles M. Howell Lodge number 496 confer a... Uh, uh, entered an apprentice degree, um, and it was my first time guiding, so that was pretty cool. Um, other than that, just a lot of conversation about about what's going on with the lodge and how we're going to right the ship. That's two additional episodes. Right. <laughs> well, I'm looking at my calendar now from the good tip from Tim. <laughs> <laughs> It helps the memory. Um, looks like doctor's appointments are beating Masonic <laughs> events two to one this week. But um, so I'll let you do that math. But um, on the fourteenth, I played golf in the Valley of Reading golf tournament, and uh, sharing my cart was Ralph Bacon Poppy. Oh Lord! Wow. Ralph doesn't golf, but he does bartend. So he just kept feeding me. Um, <laughs> Stuff. Jello shots oh, the whole nice. time. They're harder to spill. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else I had on here. Um, we had uh, Goodwin Council. Um, but I think I missed that for some reason. I forget why. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, like the, the funeral service and then the Valley of Harrisburg. One, one point I'd like to make about the Valley of Harrisburg thing I can't tell whether it's bringing John on as the secretary of the Valley of Harrisburg or my leaving, but it got more fun since I've left. Hmm. So I don't know whether it's um, everybody got a better attitude once I left or if um, John's just worked some magic. I'm going to pretend it's all John's doing because you guys have had some fun events at the Valley of Harrisburg. Yeah. Yeah, they've they've really and the turnout's been great. I mean, um, it's a good turnout. Yeah, I think I think we're starting to learn some stuff about what folks are interested in about doing some things different. Yeah, I imagine that. <laughs> well, they filled two parking lots. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah it was it's huge. So what they did was in the morning, they did the um, the degrees, mm-hmm. and the candidates were dressed in Masonic attire. And well, um, it was actually business casual. They could show up in collared shirts and uh, no jeans. No jeans. That was very clear from the commander. They could wear jorts. Jorts. No. <laughs> <laughs> or a skirt. 
<laughs> but then the second we were done, everyone was heading to the restrooms to change. So And there's a big tent outside with bingo and chicken. Uh, the Cigar Lodge was there, Cigar mm-hmm. Lodge number one. Yep. Grand Smoke was in attendance. Yes, he was. And, uh, yeah, good time. Indeed. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to speak with uh, past everything, Brother George Reppert of – the Reading, general Reading metropolitan area. <laughs> Reading Burks area, yes. He's, he's also known as the social chemist. We'll be back. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. Hey, this is Brother James Diener with Effort Lodge 665 in Effort PA. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. And we're back. Uh, tonight's special guest is uh, Brother George Reppert, and tonight's episode is being brought to you by our, patro- patro- our patrons on Patreon. Let's get that script. We greatly appreciate our Patreon supporters. Uh, who keep this great content going. And for as little as $1 a month. $1. You know what? You know who else works for a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> Just stop. For as little as a dollar a month. Some work harder than others. You can be an inner apprentice producer. For $5 a month, you could be a fellow craft producer. And for... $13 a month, you can be a master producer. So unlike the typical joke, you could help support a single dad like Tim Dedman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just trying goodness. to get through college. Just trying to get my daughter to college. That's it. And, you know, some good news. We did have one big thing this week. Yes, we did. We have officially opened a bank account for Masonic Light Podcast that is not tied to Jack's social security number. <laughs> <laughs> The IRS will be so happy. We are now a limited liability company, yes. and I don't know what we're going to do with that, yeah, but I can guarantee you we will not make a profit. That's correct. Even if we find money, we will not make a profit. <laughs> if we found a sack of money on the sidewalk, we would not make money. And I also understand that we had a uh, sporadic donor contribution this week from uh, yeah, an brother, uh, brother Scott, R. Scott Hoover. R. Scott Handed me three dollars at the last grotto meeting. Yep, oh, he's the best. He is. Yes, and that's three um, months of three months of uh, yeah. So here's here's my luck with with the with the, the podcast finances. Jack has written one check in eighteen months. 
and it was great. to me to reimburse me for something I, I bought. This is great. And it did, we closed the account before we cashed it. <laughs> <laughs> so one check in 18 months and it didn't clear. It. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we get not to be trustees. <sighs> All righty. So, Jack, why don't you um, talk about our guest? So the, the, George was kind of a spur of the moment guest. I, we we were floundering around not having a guest for today's show. We couldn't and, find anybody else. And, and, couldn't find anybody else. So and George, George no, 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 no. Oh, come on now, because no, we love you, George. No, but but George's happy face floated across my uh, my Facebook feed, and I said I, I sent the message to the guys. If we had George on the show, because I can't remember these things, George. I okay. So uh, uh, Larry said, George, who? And, and I, so I sent him your uh, your link. Um, but George is here with us, and George is just a fascinating character, and and we just love having fun people on the show. So um, so George's George handed me this uh, printout of his Masonic uh, curriculum vitae, and I'm I'm just going to go right down this list: Chandler Lodge, number two hundred twenty-seven, member. My home, yes. Teutonia Lodge, number three sixty-seven. My drinking lodge. Your drinking lodge. That's the German-speaking lodge German in Reading, lodge. right? Uh, Williamson Lodge, number 307. That's which Williamson Lodge is? Wommelsdorf. That's Wommelsdorf. Okay. That's the one that needs officers. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> we have 10. Actually, we have 10 new. Well, we're going to be performing 30 degrees in the oh, next. Oh, wow. Nice. In the next four weeks. Does anybody six know them? Six weeks. Eight weeks. No. Hmm. No. Nine weeks. Is that, the lo- is that the line you're going through? Um, no. No, like a Chandler. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that that is the one. Starting. Okay. All right, well, they can revote. All right. So anyway, going <laughs> yeah. down the list: Scottish Rite Valley of Reading, uh, the Valley of Reading, uh, Excelsior Royal Arts Chapter Number Two Hundred Thirty Seven. He's a past high priest there. I got to wear the funny hat. Uh, Craig Council of Number Sixteen, Reading Commandery Number Nine, uh, past commander. William Allen, York Wright College. It says collage here, but I'm sure it, it was college. <laughs> it was college. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tall Cedars of Lepnin, uh, Never Sink Forest, number 32. He is a past grand tall tree. I played Meat Bingo at his forest. Yes, Meat you did. Bingo. Mm, uh-uh. Not touching a line like that. Uh, Vox Luminous Council, Allied Masonic Degrees. And the most important thing on this list is uh, he is a member of Ubar Grotto. Uh, and then he is also a member of High 12 International. So if you think you're busy in the fraternity, call George. Uh, you know, George, welcome to the show. If I would read a list and then Larry like talks. that, <laughs> you guys would be all over me. I know, but I did it you funny. Wait, you, you read the list and then you talk about the and list then you t- <laughs> before you talk to the guest. <laughs> Can we let our guest talk? <laughs> Welcome to the show, George. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, um, start talking. This is very exciting. <laughs> so what do you want to know about booze? Well, so that's um, that's kind of the reason we, we uh, circled around to George, because, um, you know, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, that's our Ubar Grotto uh, motto. Um, and uh, I had uh, George in to talk about alcohol when I was uh, monarch. And uh, George uh, has, among other things in his uh, real life, um, a career in um, the distribution of spirits. So when he said, what do you, what do you want to talk about, booze? Um, 
that's a great question, George. What what should we be talking about? Where where should we go with this? Well, I understand the show is not four days, thirteen hours and fifty seven minutes long. So um, <laughs> we're going to limit this. It to, is when we start were, out. Josh cuts it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. We we can edit this. Um, I, let's talk about whiskey. Oh yes, let's do. Let's do. <laughs> you know, with the E or without? Well, uh, let's talk about whiskey with an E. All right, all right. That's American, right? That's American. Well, American. Unless Mark. Unless it's Maker's Mark. <laughs> well, uh, Maker's Mark still yeah. officially is with an E. Right. But they don't because they had Scottish heritage and they wanted to use that mm-hmm. part of their marketing, along with their red wax. Yeah. And um, I mean. That's tasty stuff, that wax. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, especially those little bottles. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember those? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, my first fun part of this industry uh, was uh, working for Jim Beam. And um, before they had me hawking their uh, whiskey around Pennsylvania, um, I was there. I was the first absolute vodka ambassador for Jim Beam when Jim Beam was distributing absolute vodka. Um, then um, I got to meet the big guy, um, Mr. Booker No, probably the the neatest guy I've ever met in my whole life. Um, he he's really the one that taught me how to drink whiskey and enjoy it. Well, I actually enjoyed it before, but he taught me how to properly. Enjoy whiskey. I mean, this man used to walk around the distillery with a 16-ounce um, glass of, uh, well, probably out of the 16 ounces, I'd say probably 12 ounces was whiskey, uh, bourbon, and the rest was a little bit of water. And he's, that, that was his Kentucky tea. That's a balanced diet. <laughs> it is. I grew up on that. <laughs> so what were, what were his instructions on how to drink whiskey properly? Well... The important thing for him was the Kentucky Chew. Every time you would um, put the whiskey in your mouth, you know, you, you let it linger in your mouth a little bit, and then you go. <laughs> <laughs> Larry makes that noise all the time. All right. <laughs> that did sound, actually, let's not go there. <laughs> but anyway. You just he, what you want to do is you chew it and you want to get air in there, and the air um, brings out the different flavors of the whiskey mm. and the different character characteristics of the whiskey. Um, but um, so he was the first one that I really got to meet and um, learn from, and then of course I worked with his son after that, which is Freddie No. Freddie No's project was normally Knob Creek. Now little. Little known fact about Knob Creek. Abraham Lincoln's father was a distiller, and he was a distiller on Knob Creek. And that's where the name Knob Creek comes from. Ah, I did not know that. Abraham Lincoln's father sold what whiskey he had left to Moodville when he moved to Illinois. And that's what paid for his trip to Illinois. No way. And you were say so you said absolute <coughs> one time. <coughs> What what fascinated me about Absolute was, I th- correct me if I'm wrong. Before Absolute, nobody claimed to be a premium vodka. 
Vodka was an odorless, colorless, right. non-aged distilled spirit that was made for mixing. Yeah. And somehow they created this complete ruse <laughs> to make people think you needed to spend a lot of money on vodka. It's called marketing. <laughs> and they had the longest running. And they hired George. And the longest running mm-hmm. ad campaign in liquor history, I think, was that the bottle thing. Yep. And they're still using that today. So, um, but um, yeah, it, it was absolute and Smirnoff were the two high end vodkas. Otherwise, you drank Jacklin's. Uh, ironically, today you can buy, if you buy a bottle of Jacklin's, it's basically the same vodka as Tito's. Uh, they buy they buy their vodka from the same place. <gasps> wow! Oh, dun dun dun! We're gonna I need a sound say, Not the there. same way, uh, the same place, the same way. Oh, they buy it processed and then they okay. actually so now it, not... it becomes handmade once you actually touch it. So <laughs> when, when the vodka turns off the truck and gets dumped into the um, Tito's distillery, well, let's not mention names, the distillery. <laughs> A Texas vodka <laughs> distillery, um, and they add water. Now it's handmade. So there I you have go. to admit, the first time I saw Tito's vodka and I looked at the label and saw it was distilled in Texas, I just imagined this strainer with a tube sock on the end. Originally, it was. <laughs> no, that's Western North Carolina. That's what that is. But, anyway. So, um, yeah, those were two great gentlemen I got to work with. Uh, I got to go down to the distillery a number of times and had I got to have barbecue in, in Booker Noe's backyard. Um, we had uh, one period of time we were sponsoring some Indy cars and also NASCAR. So uh, I got to meet uh, Dan Weldon at Booker Noe's house. Um, He's a young gentleman that won Indianapolis 500 and then ended up passing away in a crash. Mm. Um, but I had, a, I had a fantastic run with, uh, with Jim Beam, which is only fitting because I think that's what, that was the first whiskey I had in my mouth. And I was probably a year old. Mm-hmm. My mom used to rub it on my gums from yeah. my when I was teething. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've worked both ends of the spectrum. You've worked for like the biggest whiskey or bourbon maker, and then you've worked for some craft brands now, don't you? Well, um, I've kind of stepped back from that because I took a new position in a safety and security business. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, someone has to protect that whiskey, so. Um, but yeah, I worked with uh, brother Dave Stein from uh, Hidden Still. Um, I don't know if you know bro- brother David's brother. We we know a guy that he's Eddie. involved with. Yeah, I know Eddie. That's, that's his brother. And, um, he's doing a wonderful job now up in Hershey. He moved his his uh, whole his whole project up into Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, he got nailed just like everybody else with COVID. Um, it really messed up everyone's business. And, and um, I think did he get sucked into the hand sanitizer? Oh, he got racket? that. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he, he made hand sanitizer. I I showed you. I oh no, you got car. a case of it in your car. <laughs> but, I was um, going to take a couple of hits of that stuff. But. <laughs> well, I have to thank you during the darkest times when our governor had 
the state stores on lockdown. I think George let us in on some little loophole <laughs> that you could order order directly. Yes, even yes. in Pennsylvania, and have whiskey delivered. <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 were able to do that until they decided that we didn't. They didn't want us to do that. <laughs> so. See, I didn't know that before my Smokey and the Bandit run down Maryland. <laughs> there was a bunch of those Smokey and the Bandit runs yeah. down yeah. there. Yes, there were. Maryland and Delaware. Um, yeah, we um, we were able to do that because of a um, gray area of the law. Now, we can – you could go to the distillery legally uh, all the time and buy it at the distillery. But um, – and I think that's going to change quite a bit because of the our PLCB losing their big lawsuit with um, a few wine dis- wine importers um, has something to do with interstate commerce. You know, you can't they, Rico statutes. Is that you can't you can't fight, <laughs> or you can't not allow one person to do it. You know, which they're basically doing. It can go out of the state, but it can't come in. So I remember we used to um, – my wife and I subscribed to a wine club, a California wine club, and we used to get um, a couple of bottles of wine every month from this California wine club. But they had to be shipped to an anonymous warehouse in New York, repackaged, and then sent to us in this real incognito box that yep. didn't say wine on it anywhere – and the UPS guy comes on the truck and walks up on the porch and says, here's your wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by my house, there's one of these wineries that has uh, kind of like skirted the rules because it's a California winery, but it's owned by Pennsylvania people. Mm-hmm. So they're allowed to have their Thornhill. own their own retail store yeah. somehow. And Well, they, they actually are registered as a Pennsylvania winery. Oh. That's how they do it. Um because they're incorporated in Pennsylvania. As long as the tax money goes to Harrisburg, everybody's That's all happy. they care about, really. That's, 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 yep. that's what it boils down to. Yeah, yep. for you folks out of the state of Pennsylvania, we have some very bizarre liquor laws in Pennsylvania. Labyrinthine. Yeah, the laws were basically designed uh, right after Prohibition to make alcohol hard to get and expensive. And we did, you know... We, to this day, it still it's is. hard to get, and it's expensive. So, um, And part of that also is because of the Johnstown flood tax. There was a temporary f- tax on alcohol. Uh, it was 2%. And unfortunately, that's the only thing that was temporary. It was the 2%. Now it's 18 So, Nice. <laughs> 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 and they call it a general fund tax. They don't call it the Johnstown flood tax anymore. Well, I, I used to work for the phone company, and we're still collecting money for the Spanish-American War. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a joke. Is that over yet? That's not a joke. That's actually one of the more. <laughs> and that just increased, by the way. Mm. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to hear more about the wonderful world of spirits. Ooh. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. 
just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Jack. You're driving. Well, I don't know where we're going, but we're just chatting with George Reppert. George George is a a very accomplished mason and uh, is involved in the industry relating to uh, spirits. And uh, we're very spirited here. You you told me he was a social chemist. I said, what the heck? Not that word. Is a social chemist. Well, George, why don't you elaborate on the whole social chemist scenario? Well, I am the, actually the, the social chemist. So, yeah, like the uh, Valley of Reading. <laughs> as, as I have it um, copyrighted. So, um, so as of right now, I'm, I am the social chemist. Um, I, part of my job was entertaining, and part of my job was educating. So I considered myself an edutainer. And um, was that funny? <laughs> it was. I liked it. Yeah. As far as dad jokes. I go. laugh a lot. I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, um, and um, so I just considered it. Social chemist is someone who is social and deals in chemistry. Well, wasn't Merlin the magician a social chemist? If he was, he never he never um, paid a I, royalty. I never, I never, <laughs> I never got a cease and desist order from him. <laughs> but if you did, but if I did, that would be magic. That'd be really cool. <laughs> hey, we, speaking of, we haven't gotten one of those in a while. What's that? A cease, a and, cease desist and desist order? No, nah, give it time. We're here. Um. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there Somebody you go. can speak sign language. Magic. <laughs> that's what the that's what the uh, the cloudy the fuzzy thing. It's yeah. like a witness on the <laughs> witness relocation program. Yeah. It's just now, <laughs> so. now now we'll go to the whiskey with without the e. Okay. Okay. We're going to Scotland. Nice. Friend of mine, um, Andrew Davidson, um, whose family owned Glencairn Crystal Company. Uh, we used to work together at um, up in Bethlehem at the Celtic Classic, and uh, I normally brought in well, we we brought in a lot of Irish and Scotch whiskeys for tastings up there, and just had a grand time. It, it was probably probably too much fun, more fun than you should have when you're working. But um, mm. he wanted to go up. One year, and I wasn't actually involved in it, but we met. I, I actually picked him up at the airport, and we met a friend of mine at the Morgantown Holiday Inn. 
and shady place. Shady place. Where the PGA is going to be in October. <laughs> really? That's yeah, Pennsylvania Grotto. Is yeah, a golf tournament. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, on the parking lot, he said, I'd like you to taste something. So he popped this bottle, and um, it was a really, really nice blended scotch whiskey. Now, are you familiar with blended scotch whiskeys? Some. Some. Um, I, I liken this to um, monkey shoulders. Okay, yeah. Okay? Because it, it is 100% single malt whiskeys blended together. So it's a number of single malt whiskeys blended together. There's no um, neutral grain spirit added. In other words, there's no corn whiskey in there. There's no... Um, wheat whiskey in there and they normally use that to make it a little softer um canadians do that quite a bit too so um we tried this and um we actually ended up getting a package approved for pennsylvania and um, it's available in pennsylvania now it's also available in new hampshire but it's called the wee man and uh we have a we have a lot of fun playing with that little project. Too. <laughs> no, wait. I was say, no, wait. we should wait. talk to the marketing wait. people about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not Wee Willie. Got it's it. just the Wee Man. Got it. <laughs> so, anyway. I recently um, discovered Aberlour. Aberlour is a fantastic. Oh, my word. Fantastic. Found that at Grotto, by yep. the way. Mm. I, did we, what did we have for the tasting guide? You brought a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah. You got a bunch yeah. of stuff yeah. there. Yeah. And I think Wee Man was up there. Yeah. I, I oh no, I brought monkey shoulders. I think I, I think yes. I got a ride home that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I might have made a mis- made a um, mess in Jack's car. Maybe. Almost. Oh. Almost. Oh, was that the night? That was that night. One of those nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I apologize. That was not my intent, by the way. So, anyway, um, so Scotch is without an E, and. Um, the um, Irish wanted to have their whiskey different than the Scotch whiskeys, so they added an E for Iron Gobrar. Oh, there you go. And that's where the E came from in whiskey. Very original. Um, when did they do that? It was long time before I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't know when it started, but I don't know. Yeah. That's a, like a 12th century thing or a 18th century. It was thing. probably it was probably around a 15th. Well, the only 16th. thing that matters is how did George Washington spell it? Because <laughs> he made a boatload of whiskey in his day. He was the number one yes. distiller in the country in his day. And the second one was our very own one in Dillsburg. Yeah. Who was that? Dill's Tavern in Dillsburg was the second leading producer only to Mount Vernon. Yep. Really? Yep. Then everyone knows about Mickner's in uh, uh, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Yep. I saw mm-hmm. I saw an old bottle when I was down at uh, Peerless um, Distillery. They had a bunch of old bottles on the wall of the tasting room of different brands. And I saw that one from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. It was pretty neat. And I guess they kept that name... But it's not made in Lebanon anymore. Right. That's correct. 
Yeah. And it's not owned by the by that family either. Um, they kind of snuck snuck into the law and found out that the copyrights were no longer in existence for that for Mickners. Mm. So they got that for pretty damn cheap. Wow. Anyway, so, so um, what did you, what do you have prepared there for show and tell? Well, I just this is basically a reminder for me. Um, some of the people that I got to work with, um, Freddie No, great guy, one of the best best guys in, in the whiskey industry. He does a lot of uh, collaborations now with the Japanese um, Suntory. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've been coming up some with some very interesting blends of. Uh, Sometimes they're blending Japanese and, and American whiskey, and um, really interesting stuff. What are what grains are they distilling over there? I, I've seen some rice whiskey that. Um, no, uh, Suntory basically does. They they're big fans of Scotch. They've yeah. they've gone crazy, and they've really made a big resurgence with the Scotch market. Yeah. selling there. Yeah, um, they um, they're big fans of Scotch. So hmm. a lot of their stuff will be very much like a Scotch whiskey, barley. So, the rice whiskey, um, you don't see a lot. You don't see a lot of it, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely has a flavor profile. It does. Yeah. A unique pl- profile. Um, how, do they, how do they achieve that? That's, um, they're probably more uh, Highland Scotch, less peat, more barrel. Is that, that fair? Most, most of them, um, most of the Japanese whiskeys are... Like a Highland style mm-hmm. of whiskey, yeah, yep. Um, but they try they try some unique um, using barrels. Like they'll use a, a from an old plum brandy barrel, and that has made a phenomenal whiskey. Ooh. Um, but they they're always so limited, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's around for maybe a year. And then you can't buy it anymore. And three hundred dollars yeah. a bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> if you can find it, then you then you yeah. pay it. Speaking of outrageously priced whiskey, can 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 maybe you can explain um, the the Pappy Van Winkle <laughs> thing? But help me understand because I've had some and and I just need somebody to walk me through it. It was not to my liking. It was not. Yes, it was not. Okay, now I like Pappy. Okay. Um, but I don't like the price. <laughs> well, that's fair. In, um, oh, it was probably early 90s. I was able to go into a liquor store and buy a 20 year old bottle for about 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's, now it's 300 plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Uh, especially on the black market, you know. Um, which, by the way, you don't want to get caught doing it because the state does not like it a lot. <laughs> I mean, they really don't, don't like get it. Their share. <laughs> yeah. um, they probably they wouldn't they wouldn't mind it so much if they were getting their fifty eight percent. But <laughs> that'd be a six hundred dollar model. <laughs> yeah. Tax, fine, extortion. What's the difference, yeah, right. really? Right. So um, it. Um, it's a nice – I like it. It's a weeded bourbon. I'm kind of – I like weeded bourbons. I, I like Makers. I like Makers, 40, uh, Makers 46. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 
the they were able to convince people that it was very rare. And original the original bottles were very rare because they only had so much of it that they found after the um, the original distillery went bankrupt. And then so, there was a fire also, right? Correct. Which furthered the whole, yeah. we don't have yeah. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Was it a very convenient fire? <laughs> well, let's just say that uh, Dateline uh, could have done an episode on it. You know? <laughs> Not saying it, it was. But And then after that, a couple barrels got stolen mm-hmm. by, I guess, one of the dock workers in cahoots with some truck driver. Nice. They threw a couple of barrels in the back of the truck and took off with it. Um so all of this fed on to their uh, mystique, their story, and uh, they actually just started bumping the price up and making it harder to get. You know, if you have control over what you're going to produce, you can make everything very rare. I, I went to a tasting, and one of the Burt brands that was being tasted was Pappy Van Winkle, and the bottle was empty. And people were bidding on the empty bottle so that they could have their picture taken with it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Congratulations. That's outstanding. (laughs) So if if we wanted to – If you wanted to piss away $300? (laughs) Three. Well, wow. If we wanted to take some of these – this this younger generation, younger than me, that are uh, all – pun intended, hopped up on microbrews and get them to grow up a little bit and become whiskey fans. Um, where would be, a, for a new whiskey fan, where would be something good to start? Bardstown, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> you mean where is the location? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what, what brands, like what, what's going to be, because I, I always run into this with cigars. I'm not a big, huge cigar fan. And so I always look for something that's like an easy go and entry level cigar. What's a good entry whiskey that where you can learn the different as a baseline to learn the different taste profiles? A Canadian a blended Canadian or blended Irish whiskey will ge- generally be the nice the easiest one to ease yourself into. Uh, when I when I my, my wife she she did not drink whiskey. She drank uh, Coors Light and White Zinfandel. Uh, now it's the heaviest, biggest, most expensive bottle of red and um, <laughs> whi- whiskey right out of the bottle. But um, I started her out with a little bit of ginger ale and a squeeze of orange. And then it was just a little bit of ginger ale. Then it was just some ice. <laughs> and now she she likes she, – she really does like – she's still kind of hooked on – Irish whiskey. Thank God I worked for Jim for Jameson at one point. Um, but um, they um, and you like it because it's it's nice, it's smooth, it's a nice blended whiskey. Um, consistent and it's consistent, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how you would get. To, that's how someone gets started. So it's the equivalent of a Dominican cigar. That, yeah. That's yeah, just very good, smooth yeah. and easy, and yep, yeah. But would you not agree that the best way, and I tell people this about cigars and bourbons, whiskeys, whatever, is try a lot of them. Actually, that's perfect. And find yes. one you like and drink it. Every time you go to a bar, 
you look on that back bar. Yeah. I do it now. I still do it today. I look in the back bar, and if there's a bottle there that I've never had before, which is getting harder and harder, fine. <laughs> but yep. if there, that's the one I'll buy. And um, one of my first bartending jobs was at the Hamilton Club in Lancaster, which is oh, kind yeah. of a, a hoity-toity oh, yeah. um, city club. And I was amazed when they had as their house bourbon was Old Crow. And I asked like one of the like the senior guys that has been there forever, I'm like, why are people drinking this? And he just gave me this like real world like marketing lesson. And he was just like, Jim Beam figured out how to like market themselves. And a lot of these other companies didn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's like people here like this is what they like as the as the as the real as the real whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, you know, I thought it was neat. And now I like I'm, I'm not offended by Heaven Hill Old Crow and some of these uh, some of these other like low end bourbons I find really good. Well, and some of but, them were ones that growing up I would see you know, you'd see the drunks on the sidewalk in the paper bags <laughs> yeah, drinking, right. and yeah. now they're high end bourbons. Yeah, um, maybe they were high end drunks. Well, they Old were, Crow obviously. is actually it's a great bourbon yeah. and it's produced by Jim Beam. Yep. Um, Old Granddad, that was uh, Joe Paterno's. That's that's what he drank. Um, I, I know because I delivered a case to him one time, <laughs> <laughs> and he was very thankful. Um, but um, those are uh, by the way, Basil Hayden. Are you familiar yeah. with mm-hmm. Basil Hayden? Sure, yeah. Oh yeah. Old Granddad. That's old Basil Hayden. Yep. If you look at the old Granddad bottle, that's Basil Hayden. And it's basically the same whiskey. It's just aged a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've noticed that with a, one of my mm-hmm. friends is the rep for. Um, for Brown Foreman. So I, I t- found that I like Old Forester better than the Woodford. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, it's just they come out of the same company, but it's, you know, just a slightly different. Mash bill is different, and um, the mash bill is basically the recipe. Just like there was a, there, there was a bottle I just saw recently. It... <laughs> It's a rye whiskey, so it's 65% rye. Um, I believe it was 35% corn, and the balance was barley, malted barley. So that's the recipe. Uh, to be a rye whiskey, it has to be 51%. Be, to be bourbon, it has to be 51% of corn. Um, and it has to be made in a brand new, never used before, a charred oak barrel, American oak barrel in the continental American. in the continental United White States. White oak barrel, yeah, yeah. Used to be within the boundaries of the. And that was that was country. actually that that was a law written uh, by Congress yep. for the um, the barrel manufacturers because they were losing they were losing their industry. Mm-hmm. Everything used to be shipped in barrels. If you want pickles, they came in a barrel. If you want fish, it came in a barrel. Cigars. Everything came in barrels. Yep. And. Um, they were losing their jobs, so they said, uh, we have to make make a rule about what what is bourbon. So that's – Rhein Heiskaboot. That's the German beer purity law. It's very similar. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. My, my favorite story about whiskey is um, 
The first time I ever sat on a jury was in North Carolina, and it was a moonshine trial. And, of course, the defendant's name was Shorty. <laughs> and they passed, they passed a, uh, a, a mason jar uh, full of white liquor around the jury box just so that we could smell it. <laughs> smell it only. And, oh, my God. <laughs> Shorty should have gone away for a very long time. It was... It was really something. But yeah, anyway. we had that one in the uh, <laughs> we had the similar one in the police academy. Uh, just in case you never smelled the smell of marijuana, uh-huh. they did a controlled burn of marijuana. Controlled burn by the district attorney. Yeah, so it doesn't and, run. And um, yeah, it's in the public safety building. So every once in a while, like some police officer walk down the hallway and stick his head in to see who is smoking. And there's the district attorney in there with a bunch of cadets. Nice. We were not smoking. No. But there we go. Anyway. All right. all right, let's take another break, and uh, we'll come back with some bits and pieces and uh, take her on down. As far back as the mid-1800s, records exist describing the pre-meaning tradition of brethren smoking cigars during and after gatherings. To this day, the practice of smoking cigars remains very much alive in many lodges. This custom is considered a time for brethren to relax, exchange ideas, and enjoy the simplicity and fellowship that is the very essence of our brotherhood. This is what Hireman Solomon Cigars is all about. Our starting principles are to bring Masonic brethren together in the harmony of a good cigar. Pull up a chair, sit back, light up any of our premium cigars, and enjoy the history. Hireman Solomon Cigars can be found at fine cigar retailers. For a complete list, visit HiremanSolomonCigars.com or check them out on social media to find out when they'll be at a live event near you. Hireman Solomon Cigars is pleased to be the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast. Hello, brethren. Dutchy Duck is back with an update from my lodge, the Brogan Claw number 377. Well, we sure are back at it. It is the month of May, which means flowers, fresh manure in the fields, the first cutting of hay has not been done, and all of our desserts are recently been made from rhubarb. <laughs> May also brought quite the evening at the Broken Pla. This month we had our official visitation from our district deputy and all of the officers of our Masonic district. This is the one night that most of our brethren do not look forward to. I don't know if you know this about us Pennsylvania Dutch, but we are not fans of outsiders. You know, anyone who's not Pennsylvania Dutch. An official visitation brings brethren from all over Berks County to our humble little lodge. Heck, it brings in city slickers from Reading and big towns like Burtsboro and Laureldale. Those guys just don't get us country masons. They just don't see the world through the same lenses that we do. 
but for one night, we all try to get along. This year, we had the pleasure of welcoming a brand new district deputy to the lodge, Brother Mario Pescatelli. Now, by our standards, this guy was a true foreigner. He was born in New Jersey. Again, if you aren't Pennsylvania Dutch, you have to understand that once you cross that Delaware River, you are entering a whole other part of the world. In any event, Brother Pescatelli brought a large entourage of grand officers with him. One other thing you need to know about the Pennsylvania Dutch is that we are not fond of people telling us what to do or how to do it. <laughs> Anytime a new edict or rule is read in Lodge, there is much eye-rolling on behalf of the brethren. Now don't get me wrong, we all respect the Grand Lodge and our Grand Officers. It's just that we prefer them from a distance. <laughs> it must be part of our DNA. Well, the night got off to a bad start. As the district deputy was getting out of his car, he stepped in a fresh pile of what we like to call God's fertilizer. Now for the average Dutchman, fresh manure is the smell of money and prosperity, growth, and future delicious produce. But Brother Pescatelli did not see it that way. He seemed to say something in a language that wasn't quite Pennsylvania Dutch and wasn't English either. Not sure what he said, but I don't think he was all too pleased. As the night progressed, the district deputy continued to seem perturbed with how we did things. And that did not affect us at all. We went about our business as usual, and at the end of the night, we called on all dignitaries for comments. After the meeting, the district deputy approached my desk and I could tell something was coming. He asked me, is this how your lodge always runs? And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, he said, I could barely understand a word your officers were saying. Your accent leaves much to be desired. I ensured our brother district deputy that we stayed to the proper dialogue and followed all Grand Lodge protocols. It wasn't our fault that he couldn't understand some of our more rural members. At the end of the night, the visiting brethren left, and all was right in the world again. We were safe for another year. Our members all retired to the social hall to have some fresh rhubarb cobbler and ice cream. And ironically, many of our members said that they had a hard time understanding the district deputy's accent. I guess it all comes down to where you are from as to what you understand. Till next time, work hard, stay plumb, and out in the lights when you leave the room. To learn more about the Pennsylvania Dutch language, culture, and history, please visit my website, padutch101.com, or my YouTube channel. Just search Doug Manford. In Masonic news today, in an ironic twist of fate, conspiracy theorists are struggling to blame the COVID-19 crisis on every possible group except Freemasonry. When confronted with the fact that nearly all American Masons are overage, overweight, and have a laundry list of comorbidities, it became difficult to make that argument. In response to a recent inquiry, the Grand Master of Lower Ohio stated, Nope, not us this time. That's the Masonic news. <laughs> so mote it was. Uh, those lower yeah. Ohioans. Is that the good part of Ohio? Because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's the flat part. Just, yeah, it's... Uh... Oh, goodness. Well, George, thank you very much for a 
quite informative uh, conversation and great information. For, as a pinch hitter, we, you knocked it out of the you park. You did. Absolutely. You really did. And it's uh, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, uh, <laughs> being a native Kentuckian. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Grew up on this stuff. I've got my so. Cooperage shirt on. I noticed that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and just as an FYI, uh, you know, uh, Monarch to be Jay Laser is uh, planning a Jay Laser is planning a uh, bus trip to the uh, Bourbon Trail. To the Holy Land. Yeah, the Holy Land, as I know. <laughs> is he going to stop uh, at the Ark on the way? Uh, uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> just a guess. But. Uh, Anyway, so uh, let's wrap this anyway. up. Jack, what do you got coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks? I, I have no idea. I didn't look at my calendar. All right. See you there. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Something. I got stuff. I am going on the f- – I think I'm on the 4th is when I'm going to be at Red Lion Lodge. Um, what are you speaking on? Speaking, um, giving uh, my uh, recently revised St. John's talk. Okay. Great. And they invited me because they heard it here first. George, you got anything coming up uh, Masonically? A uh, lot of degree work. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of degree work planned for the – then we have rehearsals planned, and it, it's – I could be there almost every day, I think. And this is just with the one lodge. <laughs> yeah. So we have – like I said, we have 10 going through. I want to commend you for uh, jumping in the chairs. Um, we said that at the beginning of the show, but uh, a lot of guys don't think that as they get older they can do that, and uh, they don't think they can. Uh, yeah, I know locally here, my yeah. friend Ed McGrath just did it. At was he seventy yet when he jumped in? He yeah, was close. Yeah, um, so, but great job. I, I, I just I encourage brethren of all ages to get in chairs if that's when you're ready. When you're right? ready, yeah, exactly. Right. It's when like you're ready. they say: when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the when you're ready for it, you you know. Don't be afraid to do it. If That's you build cool. it, they will come. <gasps> should write that down. Yeah, put it in a movie. That'd be cool. Larry, what you got? Shoeless Larry Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Sockless, sandal-footed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey. Well, hey, barefooted Jack, what the heck? Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, Goose and Gridiron coming up on Thursday. Strategic Lodge Strategic Planning Committee Sunday. Ooh. Biggie. Yeah. And the lodge meeting on Tuesday so we can present the findings of the strategic planning. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's my CTV. No pressure. So I guess I need to print my petition for dual membership. Yeah. So I can come back to my home lodge. <laughs> Pete, how about you? What do I have going on? Um I don't know. We're trying. We have we have a um, Tall Cedars executive board coming up, and um, we're really trying to um, breathe some life into this corpse. And what uh, the um, so you know, in, in in Cedars, our forest, you have ten meetings a year. They also expect you to do the. 10 executive board meetings. They expect you to go to the midwinter and the summer conference and to visit neighboring forests. That one night a month is actually like 30 nights a year. So um, the problem is like in our forest, all of the officers are kind of like George. We're all officers and everything else. And there's just not enough nights in the year. And we're also not really 
fulfilling our goals of helping the charity or having fun, frolic, and fellowship. So we're really going to be trimming down our schedule, and we're going to make some months, instead of us having a, a meeting, that month's just going to be a volunteerism, or that month's just going to be traveling to a neighboring forest as a group. So hopefully we can get more more people out doing things, raise more money for the charity, have fun, and not burn out those guys like me that made eye contact and stepped up to be an officer. Uh, I think, you know, there's my editorial. I think most groups need to uh, stop going to the well and beating those that are dumb enough to say yes. <laughs> Josh, Worshipful Master. Uh, we have, like Larry said, the stated meeting of Lamberton Lodge, number 476. And uh, I'm going to hear the report of the committee uh, <laughs> for the future of our sinking ship. Oh. Uh. So uh, on Friday, June the 4th, Eureka West Shore Lodge number 302 will host its quarterly blood drive uh, from 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. Again, he's got his calendar open. I do. Uh, on what, it, what does it cost for a quart? Uh, I don't know. I've, uh, <laughs> I think you get like some free snacks or something. Quart? <laughs> <laughs> or a trip to the local hospital if they take a quart, right? <laughs> On Saturday, uh, June 5th is actually the uh, quarterly communication of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. No way. Which can be viewed from in the comp- other municipi- uh, In other jurisdictions. Masonic jurisdictions there and two belonging. You can actually watch that from the comfort of your home because it's going to be virtual. Um, And uh, see your local district deputy for more information. Then on Tuesday, um, we will – Tuesday, June something. um, (laughs) My calendar screwed up. The 7th, uh, we'll have our stated meeting. But uh, importantly, before that meeting, we're having a pig roast. Uh, that starts at 4 p.m. And so everyone is invited. You can get the details uh, on our Facebook page or our website. Uh, We only ask that you let us know ahead of time. I think the deadline coming up is June 2nd to let us know you're coming. And the cost is simply a donation. I know our Worshipful Master would love to So the deadline will be passed when this show comes out. No, no. The show come out on the 31st. You've still got three days to get your uh, reservation in. So we're good. And so, um, and then on the twelfth, which will be just before our next episode drops, several of us will be at the Shrewsbury Car Show, sponsored by the Shrewsbury Lodge. Vroom vroom. Yes. So if you're going to that, make sure you look us up. You know who else will be there, Tim? Yes, I do. Who would that be? The sponsor, the cigar, the official sponsor, cigar, the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast, Hiram and Solomon Cigars. Ta-da. So come and get your supply, and uh, we hook you up, man. We hook you up. We know a guy, and I guess that's about it. So uh, Josh, cue those chickens, and Larry, get us out of here. One of these days, we're gonna get some real chickens. Anyway, special thanks to Everett Lodge Six Sixty Five for making this broadcast studio available, and it's so good to be back. Thanks to Josh Lamberton, our producer and director, who makes our show very listenable. And for you Patreons who actually get to see the sausage being made, 
you know, the kind of job that Josh does. Thanks to our uh, Jack Harley, our news director. Josh is over there off camera, by the way. So Tim Dedman, our marketing director. To our Masonic Light podcast contributors, Michelle Snyder and Doug Maddenford. And I want to report that our new head of retail operations at Masonic Light Podcast oh, uh-uh. is Mo Cash. M-O-E Cash. Also, we have a new jewel designer firm for Masonic Light. The firm of Sparks and Shaky. Welcome aboard. And uh, John Bridegroom, you really don't have anything to worry about. This is Larry Maris. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Harry, that's the worst you've ever done. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's not. Oh, gosh. Stone on. him. <laughs> Bye, everybody.